everyone, it's John and Finn, and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I watch 1985 Santa Claus the movie and break it down one minute at a time. I almost fell off track with the intro, but I, I got it that time. You got it. There's probably going to be some bloopers at the end of this episode if I, <laughs> yeah, had, I, if I had to so. guess. <laughs> now, you may hear our cat Molly meowing in the background, which, you know, will be fitting as we see at the end of this minute. I can't, yeah. get, her, I can't get her to be quiet. <laughs> She's been meowing for the past two weeks in a row. We can't stop her. Well, maybe she just wants to commentate on this minute. Maybe. Maybe she loves the movie so much. There's a fellow cat that we'll see much later in this minute, but let's not get ahead too much. You know, it, it's funny, you know, we record these ahead of time, but as our audience is listening to them, it's like, we're, we're in, getting in the season now. We are. So maybe we have some new listeners who just decide to start at minute 34. I would hope you would start at the beginning, but if you are just testing the waters to see if you like our podcast or not, Welcome. Hello. Well, maybe, they, maybe they binge listened, and now they're caught up to minute 34. Maybe. <laughs> so this minute begins with the shot of the kid writing his letter to Santa and ends with a small boy strangling a cat. Yes, it is quite the minute. But there's a lot of stuff that happens in between. So the letter that we saw last week, the what we assume is from the same kid who asked for the music box. Mm-hmm. And this is like, thank you for that uh, gift last year. Right. To say, oh, the kids are writing year after year. That yeah. cross dissolves into a big pile of envelopes it from does. children all over the world, all addressed to Santa Claus. Now, I, I'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate the attention to detail that we're about to dive into. We're heading into total nerd territory, but I think if you're at minute 34 of a minute by minute podcast of Santa Claus the movie, this is the kind of content that you expect. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect anything less. So, are you ready to dive into this pile of letters? I'm ready. Okay. So the one that caught my eye first was one that I determined the language was Malay. So this letter most likely came from Indonesia or Malaysia. And thanks to Google Translate, it breaks down to Kapada, K-A-P-A-D-A, which translates to two. And then Bata... Kiamis or Curry. We did you determine that was an R? I think we did. Yes. It stumped Google, but we put our heads together and deciphered it. It was more or less Father Christmas or some variation right. of that. Yep. And then the Katab Yudara translates to North Pole. I feel bad because I don't know if I'm pronouncing anything correctly, so bear with us. So it's spelled out K U T U B. U-D-A-R-A, but according to Google, it's supposed to be spelled U-T-A-R-A, so either this kid uh, misspelled it because nothing came up on Google with the D in it. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, well, maybe just when all the staff writers were writing the stuff in the back, maybe they heard D instead of T, like someone was telling them how to spell it and they just wrote it wrong. Or it could be like from a kid who misspelled it in the movie context yes Yes, i'm saying when they were creating the letters in 1985 in a pre-google world yes (laughs) but what's interesting here the letter that we just read the one in malay Mm -hmm. is the only one that is addressed to santa referring to him other in anything other than santa claus right 
this is more like a Father Christmas because yeah. there's one from Germany, you know, Nordpole, Nordpole and Lepole Le Nord mm-hmm. from France. And we even, we even we try. have tried to determine there's some like either Japanese or Chinese writing. Mm-hmm. And well, then the, how about one, you- the one on the left of the screen, that one we have been told is Japanese. We don't know exactly what it is, but we think it is, um, we think it is kind of like a Father Christmas name because it kept coming up elder or father or, you know, when we were trying to translate it. So we have been told that one is Japanese because we asked a friend of ours and she told us that it looked like it was Japanese. And then on the right hand screen, right hand side of the screen, there is another letter and that one is in Chinese. And we were able to get a little bit off from that one. I hope you wrote it down because I don't remember what it was anymore. No, unfortunately, I don't seem to have it in my notes. I think it was more or less, you know, Santa Claus, North Pole. Yeah. Near the upper part of the screen, very faintly, there's another letter that it's so faint, I can't tell. We weren't able to decipher if it was Japanese or Chinese. Right. We tried, guys. We tried our hardest. We tried. (laughs) So mail continues pouring down the chute, which we'll see later is actually a big chimney. As Dooley keeps track, he's like jotting down in a book. In the book from the Happy Meal... The elves at the top of the world, it says, duly checks all the incoming mail. Now, what's interesting in the Happy Meal book, there's it shows an elf also, like an assistant to Dooley, and the text reads, one of Dooley's assistants writes each child's name and dress in Santa's big book. Next to each name, he records the name of the wished-for toy and what color it should be. But we don't see that assistant elf actually in this minute. Right, we actually... Um... According to, in in my book, the assistant actually shows up in minute 35. I could be a little slightly off, off, but, um, the, in the Happy Meal book goes along with the novel book more than the movie. (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot of cross-referencing going on and they don't always all align up. And then we see elves like passing wicker baskets just stuffed full of envelopes like down a down a line and up yep. some, some stairs. There seems to be at least 10 elves that are working in the mail room. And the walls are like lined with like drawings and like fan mail more or less to Santa. There are there are 20 elves. Oh really? Did you count them out? Yeah, <laughs> 1 2 3 4 5. I had approximately 10, so maybe my uh, numbers must be off. <laughs> 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Oh, no, there was 15. Sorry, 15 elves. Now, it looks just like a post office. You know, all the walls are lined with the little uh, sorting boxes. What I don't know what the technical term is. Yeah, I would say sorting boxes is exactly what they are. Um, because Dooley and his um, workers had to keep track of everything. They're bringing the letters up in these baskets to sorting elves, and I think probably what these bins are, are, like, by department, you know, where the, where the elves need, that create the toys would go to get their orders, you know, kind of like their picking order station, so they know what to create. 
because that makes total sense um i kind of interpreted oh okay so like letters from this part of the world go here mm-hmm. or this goes here but Dooley's keeping track of that so this has to be like oh these kids want a rocking horse so that's going to the woodworking department these mm-hmm. kids wants a doll so that goes to the whatever department the doll mm-hmm. department that and makes total I learned, sense. I'm totally going with your interpretation. And what I'm also, what I've also learned from the book is that uh, Puffy. I know we don't see him in this particular scene. We see him about 20 seconds from now. But Puffy's job is um, actually the. He has a title. Puffy is actually the production chief, and Puffy's job is to make sure that all of those special requests sent in by the kids are done by the elves. So I would imagine that Puffy makes sure that all of these requests in these bins are done by the correct departments. As the elves toil away in the mailroom, the music changes to God Rescue Merry Gentlemen, which is one of the earliest known existing carols dating back to the 16th century or earlier. The earliest known printed edition is dated circa 1760. Wow. Now, before we leave the mailroom, I I have something to point out. Mm Mm-hmm. We're still, I don't know where we are movie timeline-wise. 14th century, 15th? Yeah, according to the book, we're around the 14th century, I think. Now, look at the part where the elves are passing these baskets down the chain of command. Okay. Okay. Look on the desk. We see a very modern-looking rocket ship on that desk. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Huh. I think that might be out of out of place. That, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> but we don't know exactly when this is taking place, either, because there's an awful lot of painted colorings, you know, colored pictures and painted pictures. So this part of the montage could be way more modern than what the hourglass is showing you know what i mean because if you look at this drawings there's a lot of like paint and like modern art up there from kids yeah like crayon drawings and yeah things like that yeah these aren't but, written on sheepskin like in the book but in with the within the context of the movie this is a little out of time yeah no matter how you slice it that rocket ship should not be there this early on in the santa game very true Let's see. Also, do you think newbie elves start in the mailroom? You know how that's kind of like a cliche. It's like, got to work our way up from the mailroom. I don't know. I don't know because the mailroom is new. So, you know, they didn't have a mailroom before. But keep in mind, we've all, it's also been going for a few hundred years at this point. Yeah. But I don't know if they get, I don't know if they get more elves because... The elves never age, so why do you need to replace them? Or unless they get new ones because they're building their demand so much, they need to hire new work. I don't know. I mean, I guess they could start in the mailroom and work their way up. It's possible. I would hate to be an elf coming into this place on day one, working alongside elves that have been there for 400 years. Like, talk about intimidating. You know what I mean? you got to work 500 years in the mailroom before yes. you get onto the production floor. I'm sorry. Exactly. Goobler's been here for 900 years. you got to work your way up the ladder. It's like, That's oh, man. Right. You have the lowest rung of seniority. You have a thousand see another... years to go. 
<laughs> we see another sleigh fly through. More time passes. Ho, 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 ho. He is ho ho hoing a lot ever since he became Santa. It's he can't his tradition. Stop. It's his tradition now. He has to. It's part of his brand. It's the Santa brand. So now we see a shot of Dooley sitting on a stool by a fireplace reading children's letters. Santa's boots slash legs appear in the shot as Santa enters the room. And Dooley comments. More and more learning to write now, asking for what they want. Reading and writing, writing and reading. Basically how more letters are coming in. More children are learning to read and write. Mm-hmm. Just like us trying to decipher various other letters <laughs> and whatnot of the past couple of minutes. We, we've gone to ridiculous lengths to try to decipher what the letter Dooley is holding, is reading. Yeah, we've gotten a good chunk of it. And it includes a little Easter egg. It does. That, that I was very excited to find. Anyway, this is what we have determined was on the letter Dooley is reading. It says, Dear Santa Claus... Please give me a toy. I am... Little Elsa. Elsa. How exciting is that? It's not the same Elsa, obviously. Yeah, it couldn't be the Elsa from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, she'd be like she'd be like 400 years old by now. Yeah, it, it's obviously not her, but the name is there. So, And it's spelled different because um, I believe that in the book it is E-L-S-E. And uh, we were like, I think it's Elsa. And then he says it in the movie. So uh, it's not the same, but it's close enough that it's exciting. I know. I'm going with that the filmmakers threw in that as an Easter egg for people like us to discover 35 years later. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with. More likely it was like, what's an old timey kid's name? Well, we called that other one Elsa. Yeah. <laughs> And she wants a dollhouse. Did you say that? Oh, yes. Nope, I, I got sidetracked with Elsa's name. <laughs> there is something below dollhouse. Yeah, she says, um, you know, please give to me a toy. I am Elsa. And then underneath that, it says, we believe it says dollhouse. And then under that is another word that we cannot figure out what it is. We have looked and looked. It almost mm -hmm. looks like crown. Yeah. But there's also like an N very close to the beginning, but it's also partially obscured by other letters that Dooley is holding. Mm -hmm. So we we tried, guys. We we, we yeah. tried. Mm -hmm. Santa gives Dooley a couple little nods. Like he's not understanding. He's just nodding to Dooley just because that's the polite thing to do. Like it doesn't look like he's understanding what's going on at all. Those nods look like, uh, you know, when your boss is talking to you and you're like, yep. You know, and then you move on. That's what I don't I, know. I didn't get that. I thought he was just like, yeah, yeah, more more letters. That's good. But before we can think about it too much, there's another ho, ho, ho <laughs> flyby shot as more time has passed. Yes. And then we see Puffy and Goobler. Yes. Now, this is a uh, somewhat famous shot because they used it in a lot of the promotional materials. Yes. It's in a lot of the children's books. But it's from a different angle. It's in, at such a different angle in the Happy Meal book that I talked about earlier that they refer to Goobler as a carver. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a double take. I was like, was that from a different scene? But no, everybody is painting the same things we see in this minute. But I think it's just because it was at a different angle that whoever was writing the Happy Meal book just assumed 
Goobler was carving the windmill and not painting it, but here we clearly see he's painting yes, it. Yes, and Puffy is sharing his beard, and he is painting as well, because Puffy doesn't have a painting beard. And knowing now that Puffy is the production chief would make sense as to why he is in the painting section sharing Goobler's beard. You know, because why would Puffy be a painter if he didn't have a painter beard? You know what I mean? He's in there helping file special requests from the kids' letters because in the previous minute I had mentioned that someone asked for a cup and ball toy with the ball being blue and the cup being yellow. And you can see very faintly, very quickly, that Puffy is painting a ball and cup toy with the cup yellow and the ball is blue. And the ball has like one of those strings attached. Yes. But you have to look really close. You know, I'm so happy that you were able to add this layer to this scene mm -hmm. because I had a much different, sadder take on okay, it. Okay, what was your take? Well, this is before this newfound revelation. Right. So basically, uh, Puffy goes to dip the beard of Goobler, like a paintbrush, into the yellow paint so he can continue painting his little cup. Mm -hmm. While Goobler is painting this windmill with another long piece of his beard. Mm -hmm. Because Puffy hasn't been established as having any certain job in the movie. All we know, he's kind of, he, he longs for the respect from Santa. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like living in Patch's shadow while Patch is like the golden boy. Mm -hmm. And here his beard isn't even long enough to be among the painter elves, so he must be feeling very inadequate. Oh, okay. This, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, man, I feel so sorry for Puffy. Yeah. And, poor, and you even see Puffy like mouth out like a little sheepish, sheepish sorry. Yeah. When he kind of pulls Goobler away from what Goobler was doing. Right. But now, you know, now that I know Puffy, you know, f was a fairly, fairly important role. Yeah. Yeah. He had a very important job and he must have had to work hand in hand with Patch because if he, if Puffy was the production chief, it must, that's probably where their rival that we have come up with has, must really hit home because if Puffy's job is the production chief, creating and fulfilling these special requests and so every time that a toy comes in that him and his elves don't know how to make he has to go to patch every time to help him design something for these kids so it must drive him bonkers to have to go to patch all the time for these like bigger requests of stuff that they've never heard of before because he can't come up with it you know what i mean that's got to be annoying Maybe that's another level of their their rivalry feud that we have going on for them. It would have been so fascinating if they explored this a bit more in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I don't feel quite as... I still feel a little bad for Puffy. I think he definitely, you know, he, he longs for that approval from Santa, which he doesn't really get at all in this movie. Mm -hmm. And though he should, because he has he, he does a wonderful job. So speaking of Patch... Mm -hmm. We go from this little bit of Goobler and Puffy, and it crossed themselves. I, I love this random shot that we're about to see. It's like two or three seconds of just Patch operating, cranking a little toy windmill. Yeah. And and, and Dudley uh, Dudley looks like he's maybe half asleep or something. He, he doesn't seem with it. It's like I can almost picture the filmmakers like going, Dudley, Dudley, we're rolling. 
Look at that thing go. Whoa. <laughs> it's like he was just kind of just sitting there on set. And they're like, oh, hey, get a shot of him while he's uh, sitting over there. Like, he didn't even know that he was supposed to be on camera at that moment in time. That only goes on for like two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very quick. And th- then we're off to another Santa flyby. He's going to ho, ho, ho again, I think. Let, let me just double check that. Nope. Nope. No ho ho. <laughs> no ho ho. But the music did change. Now, basically, every time Santa flies by, the music changes. And during that whole thing with uh, Patch and Goobler and Puffy, it's playing O Christmas Tree, also known as O Tannenbaum, a German Christmas song based on a traditional folk song which was unrelated to Christmas. It became associated with the traditional Christmas tree by the mid 19th century. Mm hmm. So that's what we heard playing over the elf stuff. So then we have our another flyby. Mm-hmm. You, you can get a pretty good look at model Santa in that little miniature. Yeah, you can. Yep. He has the sleigh. There he, there, there he goes. Little toy Santa going by. Now the music change this time is to the first Noel, which is a traditional English Christmas carol with Cornish origins. In its current form, it was first published in 1823. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> So now we are up to the 18th century, according to the Sands of the Hourglass. Yes. And we go from the Sands of the Hourglass to a cat being, like, flung around. Yes. Yep. This poor kitty. And the girl is begging this little boy to stop abusing this cat. Man, how many of these minutes in this montage end with animal abuse? First a reindeer, now a cat. Young girl begs him to stop, like, pulling on his arm, like, stop, stop doing that to the cat. And the cat, you can hear the cat going, wow, wow. Yeah. Though the sound effects of the cat uh, seem more lively than what the cat is actually being put through on screen. Nobody, no cat is being harmed in this scene whatsoever. The kid even seems to be making an effort not to hurt this cat. Yeah, the cat, I think, and... And, I mean, they are holding, he is holding the cat at the scruff of his neck, which is where cats, you know, are Mm -hmm. typically picked up by um, their mothers when they're babies and by, like, vets and, you know, caretakers, you know, when they have to pick them up and bring them somewhere. So it isn't, like, they aren't actually hurting this cat. So no, no worries to anyone. This isn't a a Milo and Otis situation here. No, they did it right here. You hear lots of meowing, but you don't see that cat open its mouth at all. So no. maybe the cat, no. the fact the cat's a ventriloquist. Yeah, I think so. I think so. In my endless research of Santa Claus the movie, I've told Ben about this website, and I can't wait to whip it out for this minute. There is a website called CinemaCats.com, and it has an entry of various cats in various movies, and it has an entry for Santa Claus the movie. Are you ready for this, Ben? I'm ready. So here we are. I am quoting from cinemacats.com. It says, Kitty cameo. In a segment that starts in the 18th century, a little girl is fighting with her brother over the treatment of a gray and white tuxedo cat. Mm-hmm. We can see. So that checks out. Mm-hmm. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Cinema Cats right on the ball here. Yes. Kitty carnage warning. The girl protests that the boy is hurting the cat and should stop. The boy who is holding the cat by the scruff just pushes their way and continues his abuse. If there's any consolation to the scene, it appears that the boy actor is doing his best not to actually hurt the cat. Mm-hmm. 
But I can't go any further than that because... The minute ends. But I did notice while going through this frame by frame is that this was clearly done as Gino Schwartz likes to do in five gazillion takes because there is a spatula there on the floor. When you first see them, the spatula is like on the floor between the girl and the boy. And then as you get to the next shot, which is a close up of the cat and the boy, the spatula is miraculously in his lap. Well, he's it's a close up of the cat and the boy. And then as they're oh, fighting, yeah. I, the the spatula falls again and then it's a shot of the girl. So the spatula kind of moves around a lot. So you know there's a lot of different takes. I've never noticed that spatula before. So I guess we have to assume that maybe he was wailing on this cat with this thing. Yeah, let me um let me get the book because I do know that this is in the book. In a stately dining room of a manor house in one of the 13 colonies of what would soon to be the United States, the dinner table was set with crisp linens and fine silver for a Thanksgiving feast. But over by the hearth, a young boy in knee breeches and a powdered wig was holding a squalling cat down on the hearth stones while he tied a wooden dowel to its tail. His little sister, Sarah, pulled at his arms, crying as she tried to make him stop. The boy pushed her away, laughing cruelly, until her sturdy nanny came back into the room and separated the children and the cat with a angry scolding. Now that I'm going through it frame by frame, it looks like he has a whole bunch of stuff that he's trying to tie to this mm -hmm. cat's tail. So during dinner, Sarah picked fitfully at her turkey and yams staring unhappily at her brother too worried about her favorite pet to enjoy the feast and then we get into the next minute so i'm not going to read any further but as you can tell this actually takes place in one of the 13 colonies in what will be the united states of america shortly on thanksgiving you know i think since my eye your eye goes to a you know him holding the cat by the scruff mm -hmm. and also the sister like trying to pull him away I've never even noticed that he has like a string full of stuff. Like I get, I'm going to assume kitchen utensils that he's tying to the cat's tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it I might mean, actually be. I don't think it's actually tied to the cat's tail. It's hard to tell. I don't know. I don't think we could tell in this minute. I can't even tell what he's trying to tie on there. You know, except for the spatula. Yeah. Like pot, maybe like little pots and pans and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't think there's like anything actually the tied to the cat. I think it's just uh, the ki the kid's holding the string. Yeah. and it's kind of falling around on his lap. Yeah. Well, that is fascinating. But unfortunately, I can't go into the next part or what important role this might play in Santa's history. Mm -hmm. But the minute ends as the girl is crying, and we hear the boy say, "Come back, you." <laughs> So in the movie, the nanny does not come in and scold them. It's that the cat runs away. We don't actually see the cat run away. We just no. assume the cat ran away because the kid says, come back. Yeah. So thank you, cinemacats.com. We will continue with this uh, <laughs> cat talk next week. We will. <laughs> Any final thoughts on minute number 34? I don't think so. I think we have covered all of it. That was, that was quite a lot in that... Um, in that minute as well holy moly these montages i tell you they have tons of info in them sorry these used to be the most boring parts of the movie for me were these montages 
But now that we're going through them so detailed to see what's in there, because they go by so quick, you know, when you're watching the movie full out. They go, they are long, but the images go by quick, that you can't really see what's going on very well to get all of the little little details that are actually in there. So then now that we're going through this one minute at a time and really looking at what's happening in these montages, there's so much in there that I'm actually starting to enjoy them more than I used to when I before I knew what was going on, you know? You wouldn't think on the surface that this movie would be such a perfect movie to <laughs> talk about one minute at a time, but it almost feels like it's made for it because there's so many layers. Yeah of things between the book and the comic what's happening on screen which also have remnants of what was in the book but was cut out of the final movie mm-hmm. it's just fascinating it is and i hope you guys have find it fascinating <laughs> as well fascinating enough that you come back each and every wednesday or if you have anything to add be sure to send us an email yes we are santa by the minute at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at santa minute And you can come back every Wednesday and listen to a brand new episode. Hi, everyone. (laughs) I didn't expect you to talk right after you. I'm ready to go. I'm raring to go. (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the movie where we talk. How did I mess that up? You've only been doing it 35 minutes. The cat is. Shut up! You know what? We have a meowing cat in the background. That is very fitting for this episode.